Welcome. One of the events in King David's life, which we've often mentioned in these talks, is how his son Absalom chose to oppose him. Absalom gained popularity. He desired to have the wealth and the success and the power that his father had. So Absalom stirred up a revolution and almost all of the people in Israel decided to support Absalom. They forced David and a group of about 3,000 men to leave Jerusalem. And David, without home, fled into the wilderness. That's the situation described in today's psalm also. It's Psalm 3. My name is Keith Simons. I'm a Bible teacher from England. I present these talks on how to understand the King James Bible using the Psalms. Today, as I say, we're going to be looking verse by verse and word by word at Psalm 3. The heading of Psalm 3, a Psalm of David, a Psalm, a song. There's music to this Psalm. It's a desperate Psalm, but nevertheless, it is a Psalm of faith a psalm of praising God, a psalm of giving honour to God. So it's a song to be sung with music. And it records when he fled from Absalom, his son. This son, who David loved, had proved a rebel, had turned against him, had gained the support of Israel's army, except for that little group of 3,000 men who continued to support David. And David fled from them. He escaped across the Jordan. And then he prayed this prayer. First one. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. So these were people that troubled David. They caused trouble for David. They rose up against him. They took their stand. They took their stand in opposition to David. And there were so many of them. Uh, at one time, David's enemies had seemed few. He was settled in his palace. He'd established his kingdom as a strong kingdom. He'd overcome the enemy nations which were round about him and installed in those places rulers who were loyal to him. But now there were so many enemies. Now, on every side of David, these enemies had increased and they were taking their stand to oppose David and they gave no hope for David. It looked like David's rule over Israel was finished because, first two, many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. Many are they which... Many there be which say of my soul, of my soul, my inner life. They look at me and they, they consider me hopeless. They consider that I'm in a weak and desperate situation. They consider that I've lost everything, even the help of God. That word, there is no help for him in God. That word help is the same as the word for salvation. In the Hebrew language. What they were saying was 
God isn't going to rescue him this time. God might have rescued him in the past. God may have supported him in the past, but David's rule is over. Therefore, God is not going to be his salvation, his place of safety anymore. God is not going to be the one who rescues him from this experience. David is lost and his cause is defeated. And with that desperate thought, David pauses. And with uh, this word cellar, it seems to mean a musical pause. But some people say, well, it's a word to praise God. It's certainly a good point in Psalms at which we as readers should pause for a moment and just think about David's desperate situation. Verse 3. But what was David thinking in this? Was he thinking that he had no help, no salvation in God? No, he was thinking the opposite. Verse 3. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. A shield? Uh, the boards which soldiers would hold up in battle in order to protect their bodies. They might be made out of wood or leather at the time of David. There's mentions of gold ones at the time of David as well. But they were for ceremonial purposes. They were to look impressive. But the real shields were, were boards that soldiers would hold up and then an enemy's arrow couldn't shoot them because, of course, the arrow would, would hit against the board instead of against their bodies. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. God, you're my protection now. Yes, there's still 3,000 men who are loyal to me. I'm not depending on them. God, I'm depending on you because you are like the shield that goes around me, that protects my body. Yes, there are tens of thousands of people who want to see me dead, who would gladly kill me. But my defence, God, is you. Once when I was the great king, I had glory, majesty, power, honour. Once my head was lifted up, my name was honourable. Once people thought me a truly great man. But now I can turn to none of these things. The wealth I had and the honour I had no longer protect me. People no longer consider me important. They see me as a nuisance. So I turn to you. God, just as you are my shield, my protector, you're my glory. My greatness is in you. It's on you that I depend. It's on you that I trust. And if it is your will, you will once again give greatness and honour to me. You will restore me again to my kingdom. You will lift up my position like someone who lifts up someone else onto a place of honour. God, you are the great one. And if I am to rule, David thinks to himself, then you must do it. You must lift up my head. You must place me in that position of honour. But in this situation of such great danger, what am I doing? Says David, I'm trusting God. Verse 4. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. I cried unto the Lord. Yes, my prayer was a desperate prayer. 
but it was a prayer with confidence because I cried unto the Lord. I cried to the living God. I prayed to the God who made heaven and earth and everything in it. I prayed to the God who protected me right through my life up till now and who will continue to protect me. I cried unto him with my voice. This wasn't a silent prayer. I prayed aloud. I didn't care who heard that I was praying. I was glad, if anything, for them to know that I was praying to God in this situation. But my prayer wasn't for their benefit. It was for God. And so aloud, I prayed to him. And God heard me. He heard me out of his holy hill. Yes, David had already set aside that Jerusalem should be the place of God's house. God hadn't yet, yet shown him the place of the temple, the place of sacrifice. But nevertheless, the holy hill of Jerusalem was a hill that belonged to God, that David had chosen for God. He'd moved the Ark of the Covenant into a special tent he built for it in Jerusalem. That was the holy hill that David was thinking about. And God, who was specially present in that place, had heard David. Now David had been forced out of Jerusalem. We said that earlier. Absalom had taken control of Ju over Jerusalem. And although the priest tried to take the Ark of the Covenant out to David, David sent it back into Jerusalem. The symbol that God was present with his people was back there in Jerusalem. David couldn't go to Jerusalem. He couldn't go before the Ark of the Covenant to make his prayer to God. But there, on the wrong side of the Jordan, David prayed. He cried aloud to God. And in his house in Jerusalem, God heard David. And David declares this by faith. He's still in that place on the wrong side of the river Jordan. He's still expelled from most of Israel and from his capital city, Jerusalem. But he declares with faith, with confidence in God, that his prayer has been heard, that God will act, that he trusts God even in this situation. And there, once again, he adds pause or a thought of praise to God with the word Selah. And then he continues into verse 5. This is a, a morning prayer. It's a prayer for the, the morning, for early in the day, when the sun rises, because David tells of how he got through that night, that desperate night when he could have been so worried about all these tens of thousands of enemies against him. He wasn't worried. Verse 5, I laid me down and slept. Yes, David slept. He slept in peace. He slept in confidence because he knew that God was on his side. He knew that God was looking after him. God his shield. God his salvation. God his strength. David was very weak in that situation. An enemy could have easily approached him and killed him. But no, David wasn't worrying about that because he was trusting God and that is how he was able to lie down and sleep. And then the morning comes. 
I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. Uh, sustained, supported. Uh, someone uh, explained this as God is his pillow. The Lord sustained him. He slept well because he had God to rest on. And he woke up because the Lord had looked after him through the night. He hadn't died, an enemy hadn't attacked him. God had protected him there. And in the coming battle, he was confident that God would protect him. Yes, there were 3,000 soldiers who supported David. And there were tens of thousands of people who supported David's enemy, Absalom, his son who was opposing him. But David remembers his God, and he has such confidence in God. He declares, verse 6, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. There's all these people opposing me. The vast armies of Israel, the armies that once fought in support of King David, the armies that defeated David's enemies have now become his enemy. And yet David says, even though these tens of thousands of people surround me, I'm not going to be afraid. God is my shield. God is my protector. God is my salvation. God is my sustainer. In God, I put my trust. Verse 7, David prays again. Arise, O God, sorry, arise, O Lord, save me. Oh, my God. He's asking God to rise up. He's asking God, therefore, to act in strength against his enemies, to, to powerfully show that he is God in this situation, to powerfully show that God is in control and God is working on David's behalf. He prays to God, save me, rescue me from this situation. And then he makes a a bold declaration, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Okay, to smite means to hit. Thou hast smitten, you've hit my enemies on the cheekbone. What does that mean? Well, suppose you hit someone on the side of their face, the cheek. Well, you're showing that you utterly disrespect that person. You're showing that you think them shameful to, to smack them on the side of the face. And you're showing that they are, they might think themselves strong or powerful. You're showing that they're weak, that they couldn't even defend their own face from attack. And if you hit them really hard, if you hit them with a stick or something, then you will break their teeth. And for David, this becomes an interesting word picture because he's thought of hitting someone on the cheek, and then he adds, Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. This has become a word picture now, because David is not really thinking about people anymore, so much as he's thinking about wild animals, and how a lion attacks uh, other animals with its teeth, it grabs onto those animals, it tears them apart. 
That is their power, their power to cause trouble, to cause pain through their teeth. And if God has broken the teeth of this cruel enemy, God has taken the power away from this cruel enemy, like a lion that has no teeth. What can it do to attack another animal? God has taken away their strength. Firstly, God smites them upon the cheekbone. He shows them that their behaviour is utterly shameful and that they have no power against them. And then in doing that, he breaks their teeth. He leaves them utterly weak and powerless. They who had spoken such proud words against David, they who'd spoken such proud words against God. Remember what they said in verse 2. There is no help for him in God. And now God's attacked them. And he's attacked their mouth, as it were. He's broken their teeth. They can no longer speak. They can no longer say these words. Their power is taken from them because God has risen up to oppose them. And so David declares in verse 8, Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Remember what they said in verse 2. There is no help for him in God. The Hebrew was, there is no salvation for him in God. And now David contradicts that directly. He says, salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Salvation means rescue and safety. Yes, salvation is the Lord's. My rescue, my safety doesn't come from my strength or the strength of my army, the the small group of soldiers who are still supporting me. No, my rescue, my safety, my protection comes from God himself. It is only God who can save his people. It's only God who can rescue them. It's only God who can make them strong and achieve his promises and his purposes in their lives. They have to depend on him totally. They have to look to him because salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Then David adds, thy blessing is upon thy people. Now look at that word is carefully and you'll see that it's in slanted type, italics. The King James translators did that deliberately when there was no Hebrew word that they were translating. They thought they had to add a word in order to make sense in English. Thy blessing is upon thy people, could be translated, thy blessing be upon thy people. David is blessing God's people. David is declaring the goodness and the kindness that God would show to his people. Who were God's people? Israel. Israel are God's people. And David says of them, thy blessing be upon thy people. David calls God's blessing upon them. But who were David's enemies at this time? Well, the tens of thousands of people from Israel who were opposing him. The vast majority of Israel had turned against David. And yet David, having declared his own salvation, in God blesses Israel's people. He says to God, thy blessing is upon thy people. 
So instead of their cursing, David is blessing Israel's people. They were cursing him. There is no help for him in God, verse 2. And he was blessing them. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Father, forgive them, prayed Jesus. They know not what they do. David didn't want Israel's people to suffer. They had turned against him. They were causing such trouble for him. They wanted to kill him. Yet David's thoughts were entirely good and kind and generous towards them. David loved Israel's people. David prayed and eagerly asked God to show his blessing to them. And he was confident, just as he was confident in his own salvation, in his own rescue and safety by God, he was confident that Israel's people remain the people of God and that God's blessing remains upon them and that God will do good things in their lives. So he called upon God to do that good thing, to show his help to Israel's people. They were rebelling against David and against God. Then God he calls on to turn them back, to turn their hearts back to the living God, to David's God, to the God of Israel. And so David concludes with a final word of praise or of pause, Selah. Please write to me. My email address is 333kjv at gmail.com. That is 333kjv at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. But for the moment, let me read to you the whole of Psalm 3. A Psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Selah. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O God, arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. 